Welcome to Better Roads, a podcast with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Everyone has a story to their journey, and God loves to participate in those stories. Join Randall as he explores another Better Roads adventure. Well, that crisp voice that you hear introducing this podcast belongs to Nicole Miller. And we're visiting with her today. Nicole, one of the reasons we asked you to do the intro is because this is what I believe. I believe you could read a grocery shopping list aloud and you could make it exciting. (laughs) Well, I do shop for a lot of groceries, Randall. (laughs) Well, uh, that's a big reason. I want people to learn more about you, Nicole. So we want to welcome you to Better Roads. This time as a guest not as a person who's always saying welcome to everyone else. And we want to get to know the person behind the voice. So this is what we know. You are busy. Your life is full. Mm-hmm. You're busy as a wife. You're a mother of four. You are a realtor. You're a family pastor. And I'm sure there are a lot of other hats that maybe you don't have any titles or business cards printed up for, but just lots of stuff goes with that. So could you tell us just a bit about all those features of your life? Tell us about your kids their ages, and just sort of give us an idea of how on earth do you balance family, ministry, and business? Yeah, well, first off, I'm honored that you would even want to know more about my life, so thank you for having me on your podcast today. Um, uh, Again, my name is Nicole Miller, and I um, am married to Matt Miller. We've been married for 23 years, and he is the lead pastor at Waverly Life Church. We, um, you know, there's a couple questions that seem like simple questions in life, but for me, they are trick questions. Um, and one of them are, how many kids do you have? Because <laughs> our, our life with our children is complex. So we have two biological children. We have two adopted children and we have two um, adult daughters who we had long long term foster care with and they're both in their 20s they both have children of their own but um, they call us mom and dad and they're very much a part of our lives so um, my kids that live at home I have an 18 year old daughter and uh, named Trinity, another 18-year-old daughter named Lola, a 15-year-old son named Judah, a seven-year-old son named Zion, and our grown-up daughters are Chelsea and Naomi. Um, I'm also a realtor for Remax Home Group and am the family pastor at our church. So yeah, there's a lot going on in my life. <laughs> You're spinning lots of plates. So uh, how, where do you find the greatest you know, conflict with juggling all this? Well, you know, you know, to find balance with all of those areas in my life, you know, I, I was born a type A personality. So I used to try to find balance through spreadsheets and through complex to-do lists. And I tried to order my life every single day with times and scenarios and, and projects. However, what I found is you can have a very orderly and balanced life. And so one mm. of the best books that I've Good. read is called Start With The Why. And in this book, it really encourages you to dig down why are you doing every single thing that you are doing. And, and you've got to start by what are your priorities in life? So my three basic priorities 
probably like many of your listeners is first, I'm a child of God. I'm a daughter of the King and he is my top priority. My second priority is my family. Um, Being a wife, being a mom is, is second. And and it is in this order. And my third priority is my calling. Um, And you notice I don't have work on that priority because, you know, I've read a book, by Bob Goff. And he says he was, he was an attorney and he said his work is his fundraiser. And so, uh, and so my work, which I absolutely love is my fundraiser to provide for my family. Mm -hmm. And, um, and as soon as I see my work maybe causing more harm than good to my family, um, then, and then it's time for a revaluation. As soon as I see my family causing more harm than good to me being a daughter of Christ, it's time for some reevaluation. So um, it's balance isn't so much about time management. It's about heart management. It's about um, saying, you know, are, are the priorities still straight every day? And I reevaluate that um, sometimes on an hourly basis, sometimes on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. Um, I'm pretty big into reflection. And so just looking to see, is my life in order of God, family, calling? Well, that's powerful, Nicole. So you you had to have an aha moment regarding that because as a type A, that doesn't come natural, does it? No, it doesn't. Um, and we, you know, I, I did have to have an aha moment because you know, and one of the greatest things that I did was take a step out of faith and I quit a job that I absolutely loved. I was making a very good living. I had incredible benefits. I liked the people I was working with, but the balance of the job became way more than just providing for my family. And it started to take me away from my calling and my family. Mm. And, um, that was one of the hardest things I had to do to gain balance back in my life. But God is really, really faithful. So I quit my job. I took another part-time job making not that much money and I had no benefits. And it was a huge leap of faith. Um, And from there, my career grew and, and, and it changed directions. And now I'm I, I still, I, I love working actually. So um, mm-hmm. working isn't hard for me, but um, there's balance in, in, in some, and sometimes we just have to evaluate and change what we're doing. What a wonderful perspective. And I so salute you for recognizing that was a flag from the Holy Spirit. For sure. Uh, about balance, because that's where a lot of people get in trouble because they ignore those flags. So I really appreciate that about how that's made a difference in your life and your balance and your life. So with your family. So here, here's the question then. Given all of that, you've just laid out for us your, your priorities, what's most important for you. I'm going to ask you, what does a typical day look like for you? And I, I know right away you're going to say, what's typical? I mean, I get that. <laughs> Thank you. But, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but can you give us some sense or feel? How does Nicole Miller sort of can I say just sort of dance through life on any given day? Sure. Well, my my mornings start out pretty the same. So um I I get up, I have my cup of coffee. And, you know, especially as we started accepting more and more children to our home and to our and into our heart, 
I had to really pray and say, God, if, if I'm giving more time to them, is this going to affect my relationship with you? And what I really felt like the Holy Spirit told tell me is, I'm going to make the seconds count more than ever. So maybe it's five minutes of prayer that I have with God. And he, mm-hmm. it's going to be like two hours of prayer. And I, I, that's for me. I'm not saying that's for everyone. But mm-hmm. as I'm accepting his call on my life, he's making those seconds count more. So I start my morning almost every day with a cup of coffee. I put on one worship song and I just start my day with with gratitude to the Lord. And I, I dedicate that day to him. And I thank him. Uh, I pour out my heart um, maybe some worries that I have, some concerns. And that's one worship song. Sometimes that leads into more, but for the most part, that's one worship song as I'm praying and as, and I'm dedicating that first part of of the day to him. Um, And then I, um, in my to-do list, because I still have those, I kind of mark off what I need to do that day where I'm going to still go to bed feeling like I got the, some things accomplished sure. that I had to get done. Your and, checklist. You got to have yeah. some marks on that checklist. I, I, I do. And I use those. <laughs> they still are really long, but I try, I've, I'm sure we've all read books that say, keep it to the top three. So I try to mm-hmm. have, well, I can't do top three. I try to have top three in my family, top three in church and top three in real estate every day that I try to get done. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, then all the kids are up real quick. <laughs> I get up. Um, and Here they come. <laughs> it, it starts. Um, I'm a really big multitasker as I'm getting ready, putting on my makeup every morning. That's when um, my Bible is reading to me. I, I read through the Bible every year in a devotional. Um, and so kids get off to school. By the way, today is the first day of school. Uh-huh. And for those that like routine, we're all very thankful that today is the first day of school. Um, and, you know, then I typically have about an hour before I go to work. And um, again, I'm a multitasker, so I'm typically listening to an audio book as I'm folding a load of laundry, prepping dinner. Then I typically hit the work office um, at, at our church. And, um, you know, real estate, it comes and goes. You don't know when you're going to get the call. Yeah. You don't yeah. know when you're going to have to show something. Yeah. So um, I schedule some administrative time daily for real estate. But for the most part, real being a real estate agent, which I absolutely love my job as a real estate agent, but it has forced me to be more flexible. Um, it has forced me to have to have wider margins in my life. Um, and it's forced me to be okay without bowing to a schedule. Um, so, you know, uh, so, you know, oh, in the heavy real estate times, we might be eating out as a family a lot. Um, and in the light times I get to cook dinner for my family. Right. And so, you know, in the evenings, there really is no typical, I've got four kids in different sports and different activities and I'm a real estate agent. So there's truly not a typical evening. For oh, I get it. I get it. So here we are. We're talking to uh, this type A person who is highly organized. You are a to-do list person. You have worked even from the discipline side to incorporate more margin into your life to make accommodation for the, the, uh, could I say the impromptu sort of things uh, that come up. So, so, so we have this picture of this 
of this lady who is organizing every minute of time, who's on top of it all, working hard. You maximize every moment right down to what you're doing. You don't just put your makeup on. You're multitasking while you put your makeup on. So you, you, have, you have an impressive kind of routine that you pack into your day. So I want to ask you this. Let's talk about on, on, on the thought management side of things. Because, you know, we can find ourselves thinking about family when we're at work. And we can think about work when we're hanging out with family. And, we, and, and in other words, you know what I mean? You can maybe mentally not be where you're supposed to be at that moment because your mm -hmm. mind can be off in the other world. So, so a person of discipline, how do you discipline yourself to be present in whatever situation that you're in at the moment? You know... That's a great question. And I know a lot of the productivity guides would tell us we have to be fully present with every single situation. I'm just going to be transparent that for me, that isn't totally impossible, especially given my three prior priorities, God, my family, and my calling. So a couple of days ago, I had an incredibly productive day at the church office, so productive that I ended up being here for like 14 hours, and I just was getting it done. I didn't even want to leave. It was just, it was just one of those days, but at the same time, I opened my window in my office and my son was learning to ride his bike without the training wheels outside. And I was running back and forth, praising him. Um, even preparing for some of these questions for this interview, I was sitting on the floor in my daughter's room who just started her first um, week at Harvest Bible College. And she was doing her homework and I was cross-legged on the floor in her room working on these questions. And so, you know, my family is, and, and God and my calling is really part of everything I do, including my real estate world. So when I'm showing a family a house, I'm thinking of the time I had a lot of little babies in the house, mm -hmm. or if they're about to have a bunch of teenage drivers, I'm, I'm thinking they're not going to have a place for all of their cars to park in this house if they choose this one. So uh, because I do love to work. Um, I, I just, I've always enjoyed working. I don't mm -hmm. typically have a problem with getting the task done, but I can't say that my family is not part of my life and my time while I'm doing that task. And so maybe that's the wrong answer, but that's <laughs> how it is with me. <laughs> mm, wrong answer. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> No, there isn't a right or wrong answer. It's part of an ongoing challenge for, for all sure. of us. So, so our, I, I've been kind of boring in in detail there for you and uh, some of those things I wanted to talk to you about. But let's let's back up a bit. Let's take like a thirty thousand foot look at Nicole Miller's life and be a little reflective here because uh, you know about all the the changing rhythms and the seasons in life that we go through. We don't have to talk about age. We just know that there are seasons that we go through. And, sure. you know, it starts when you're with the, those little babies and you're parenting them, the small children, and, and then you're parenting preteens, and then, whoa, they're off, and they go off various ways. And as you say, you've morphed in all of your job responsibilities. But but you've had seasons, Nicole. Mm -hmm. and, and And as you just take that, 30,000 foot look at your life. Could you just identify with 
maybe a couple of those seasons, you would say, you know, those were significant change points for me. And and talk about what God has done in and through you during those times. Yeah, well, you know, one of the significant change points is when I did decide to leave a career that I loved um, because my life wasn't in balance towards the end of that. And that was no one's fault. Um, it just it just started to happen. And I knew God was calling me out of that season into something new. And so, you know, it wasn't until you not and probably that job change, which happened right when we moved here is when I, I, I could have kept that position and, and worked remotely. But when we moved here, I decided to make a change. And that season was very significant because I'd been putting my calling on the back burner, but we all know what happens, what happened to David when he wasn't where he was supposed to be. And there's all mm-hmm. kinds of sermons we've heard and Bible passages we've read when, when we're not doing what God has called us to do, then we're not where we're supposed to be at in life. And so, you know, quitting that job was, was a really big uh, shift in my life in the way I think in the, in in my priorities. Um, Another season that just really um, helped shape me for, for the good is just having some conflict resolution in um, ministries. And, you know, it used to be where someone didn't like me, if someone didn't agree with me, it would kind of shake me. I'm I'm type A, but I'm also very relational. Mm -hmm. And I would put some of my identity in their thoughts towards me. But conflict has proven to really make me a stronger, better person and put my identity in God and really where's my foundation. And so some of the greatest conflicts in my life have proven to be some of the best points of my life because I've come out stronger and wiser for it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm always reminded Job saying, you know, you meant it for harm, but God meant it for good. Yeah. And God does work through those seasons. So, you know, as as I look at your family picture, there's some things I see. First of all, uh, your gang is full of life and fun. And and I should probably add for everyone, since Matt isn't with us, your husband Matt isn't with us on this call today and our visit, that Matt is just as full of life and spice as you are. And maybe we could even say he's a bit crazier. I'm not sure you'd have to be the one who yeah, would verify that. Yeah, it really depends, <laughs> but for sure. Yeah. You know, obviously your family sees every day as opportunity. That's what I see in your family. It's like you as a group have a seize the day sort of outlook. How did you and Matt make that happen? You know, how, how does your family chemistry and pizzazz come about? Well, I think it's intentional, right? Nothing comes about without being intentional. And so, you know, Every night at dinner, um, we say everyone can. Everyone has in our house. It's called two good things, one bad thing. So everyone goes around the table and says two good things and one bad thing that happened that day. Um, mm-hmm. 
but we want the good to outweigh the bad. And, and sometimes mm. if someone just had a terrible day, they're like, I don't have any good things. And we force it. Like, surely you are alive. There's something to happen that's good. <laughs> so we, we did periodically, we will say, I'll say, okay, everyone, um, we want to do something fun as a family, but it has to be free. And so there's this one example where we, um, decided we're all going to go to Goodwill and we're going to draw names and whosever name you draw, you have to pick out a completely ridiculous outfit for that, that person. <laughs> and then we try on that outfit, we take a picture, we post it on Facebook, <laughs> whoever has the worst outfit, the designer of that outfit wins. Um, we posted these pictures on Facebook. This was a couple years ago. And I was really shocked by some of the feedback I got from that little silly activity. I had several people reach out to me that day and even, a, even up to a month later and say, I'm, I'm jealous. How, like I can't have fun with my teenagers mm. and my kids like that. And how did you do that? What no one knew that day is we bickered the entire time we were at Goodwill. One son was super mad at the daughter for picking out such a terrible outfit. My five-year-old wanted me to buy every single toy. One of my daughters was upset about something else. And we're like, by golly, this is fun. And we're going to have fun. We're going to have fun. We smiled for the pictures. (laughs) And and then on the way home, we were looking at all the pictures. We were laughing till we were crying. We were laughing at what we were fighting about. Then there was another conflict when the winner was chosen because something about that wasn't fair. But the moral of that story is at the end of the day, we remembered the fun and not bad. Mm -hmm. We remembered the two good things and the bad thing we actually were laughing at. And so, (laughs) you know, to push through the conflict and by golly, we're going to have fun whether you like it or not. And, you know, so it's, it's intentional. We, we, we have a lot of bickering just like any other large family and and we just keep pressing towards the goal of having fun well that's excellent that's a good word for someone today it doesn't just happen it takes intentionality no well as i look at your family also your family picture anyone looking at your family picture would also recognize that you are a multiracial family Mm -hmm. and that obviously came about by choice and uh, I don't know if some people caught it earlier. They had two daughters, age eighteen. Like, how does that happen? You know. Uh, so, talk about us that about the process of you and Matt arriving at that, and sure. the challenges and the blessings that come yeah. with raising a multiracial family. Well, you know, especially over the last couple of years, we've even had people thank us for adopting. Um, black children. Um, But one thing that we have always said is the multiracial part was not intentional. What was intentional was taking in kids in need. And Mm -hmm. so when you are in foster care, we've Mm -hmm. had five foster children, two of those we adopt, two of them were very long term. Um, And so when you get a call for a, for a foster kid, um, the social worker gives you about a 10 minute view, like scenario of their life. And, and all except for one, our, our, our first daughter, Chelsea, we had to make a decision instantly, like within the hour, 
if we were going to accept these children into our home. Really? Um, One hour time to make a decision? Most of them, maybe two hours. My point is like, it's an immediate choice that you have to make. And so never once did I ask the race of a kid. Um, Mm -hmm. We, we did ask the age and sex um, and there's, there's reasons and safety reasons that um, that you you ask those questions. So um, it's funny, just like you remember the day that you see your child for the first time with my two, I only have two biological kids. And I remember I could close my eyes and think of the exact moment I held them to my chest. I could, I know that moment as if it went in slow motion. Mm-hmm. And the same goes for my whole family peeking out the window as a social worker opens a door and we get to see for the first time who our next kid is. Oh, we don't know the race. We don't know the size. We know mm-hmm. nothing. And um, so it just so happens that ha- has been multiracial, which has been a lot more fun, can I say? I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. I, I, we we love the diversity in our family. Um, but, you know, making the choice to bring diversity to our family, um, it is a choice of great um, just just accepting more and more kids in the family, it's great sacrifice, but also such great reward. I, I mean, more than I can ever say. And sometimes it takes hindsight to see that reward in certain seasons, but there is not one moment that I regret saying yes to a calling of foster fostering and adopting. You just used that word calling, and I was just going to say to you, this sounds like calling for you. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So you you have you've got four kids, and we've already talked about how busy and full your life is, and it can be very challenging. I mean, you all had fun there, uh, dressing up and doing the photos and all, and all these family activities, but you have four individuals, children who are individuals. Yep. And how how can you find that one-on-one time with him. How do you nurture those individual relationships, Nicole? Well, again, it's, it's, I do feel like the Lord has really answered. Actually, he gave this to me. I didn't even pray for it. He gave this to me that he's going to make every second count as if it was more than a second. And so we happen to have incredible relationships with our four kids. Um, And I'm, I'm, I'm humbled to say that I, I look at our deep connections with each of them. And in some ways, I don't feel like I deserve it. Um, there, it's just really beautiful. And every second with them counts. There are some days where we don't get to spend a lot of time with our children. But then there are other days and those moments throughout the day that really counts. And each kid is different. You know, um, my daughter's they sit on the toilet while I'm taking a shower. And I swear that curtain is like a confession curtain at a Catholic church. <laughs> and I hear everything. We have great words of prayer. And, um, we, you know, just, just the quiet moments where my daughter will come in and put her makeup on, um, as I'm doing the laundry and we I get lots of multitasking. You have mm-hmm. to, when you have a lot of, kids and work responsibilities Um, my son is a incredible musician and I could sit on the couch and 
we can sing worship songs or he loves Billy, playing Billy Joel music and we just talk as he plays. And I don't know, it's, sorry, it's just really easy. There's one of your children calling now, baby, I don't know. <laughs> it's the church office. Um, <laughs> we, we just make it work. And I, I used to try to overthink it and say, okay, I need to spend this amount of time with each of them. And I, I what I found is I was failing every single day. Mm. And, um, we just make it work through all of those little moments. Mm. Well, speaking of making it work, uh, there's another relationship that's very important in this family, and that's you and Matt. Mm -hmm. And what are the, some of the things that you two do to keep your marriage healthy? And, and, you know, how do you find time with Matt and, you know, just for the two of you? For sure. Well, when, when I made my big career change, um, now, now I'm on staff at, at, at our church together. And so my office is directly across from his office. And so um, being spending time together isn't a real big issue for us. We go out to lunch way too much. Um, and I always say, well, it's cheaper than counseling and <laughs> um, we do eat lunch together almost every single weekday and um we we just have our little things like we like to watch a show at night after everyone's in bed and it, it doesn't seem like that deep but we we have we like we enjoyed that together and so our our lives we had we had to intentionally put them on the same track and when we're on the same track it just it just we're really unified and mm -hmm. so um yeah I, and we're just really blessed we actually get to spend quite a bit of time together good but and then i want to ask this of you because you you said several times i love work you know, God wired you for that. You're not, although it's your tent maker ministry, it's your funding arm of what you do. You don't do it just for the money. It's very fulfilling to you. There's Absolutely. an outlet there for you. And I think there's probably ministry outlet. I would expect also for you uh -huh. there is all well in terms of, you know, contacts with people. But uh, Nicole, I think you, what you are doing is, is a prototype for what we're going to see more of in the future and that's spouses who are both career oriented and ministry oriented and they have to learn how to how to juggle those things but it's not just learning how do i make those work together here's what i want to ask you um what about the crossover effect uh, how does what you've been doing your career help you in ministry what what spillover or relationship is there between secular and ministry how is that enriching you oh it's beautiful i mean truly everything just blends together beautifully and so, so many times we're trying to segregate every part of our life and then we're trying to balance it where i mean i only have two hands so how can i hold eight different things but when mm -hmm. we see it as a blend and don't try to segregate it all it's just so much easier to carry everything in one basket than to hold on to 12 different items. And so with, with my work, I mean, I, I had many years in sales and marketing. I'm like, sales and marketing, it's the great commission, right? And so I've been <laughs> able to like, and I've been able to really 
been trained in my ministry by my secular workplace career. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I've, I've been able to have some tools that say that I think I can further the gospel by what I learned from my marketing manager. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when it comes to real estate, you know, I'm, I'm in a people business. I'm counseling people here in my office often. And you know how many times a husband and wife are at odds about what kind of house that they want. And so the skills that I've learned in the ministry also go to the skills that I need as a realtor. And it just, every there's so much that has been blended together. I have really most of my career since I I started working in the business world at 17 years old and I have worked for the most incredible people, um, people that have a a ton of marketplace success. And I, I think underneath their leadership, I have just learned skills and that, that spill over to the church, spill over to my family. And, and then I have this amazing gift called the Holy Spirit. And so sometimes I had one boss really young in my career say, um, Nicole, I'm just going to put you on a project and it's going to make it better. But he, what he didn't know is the Holy Spirit is choosing to bless me over each project. And it wasn't just that I was making it better. I had the blessing of the Lord on each project. And, and so it really does spill together. And I talk about my my careers to my kids all the time. I mean, it, that's not separate either. And it, it gives them a drive and an excitement to enter the workplace as well. Sure. So what I hear you saying is that ministry and career are not that they're not either or they're both and they do blend together. Oh, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Well, we really enjoyed having you with us here today, learning more about your exciting life and how you, uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit, intentionally make it exciting. You know, there are broadcasts that uh, spend most of the time focusing on bad decisions. You know, it's like it's like the Dateline thing, or or forty eight hours. Barbara always and I will always say, "Well, the husband probably did it." You know, it's it's just <laughs> it's it's focusing on those kinds of things or where lives went wrong. Uh, but on the Better Roads podcast, we like to focus and discuss the roads that our guests have chosen that have made the most positive impact on their lives. You've been unpacking some of that for us, but you know, all of us can look back on the roads we've taken in life. In some cases, we'd say. Uh, you know, that probably wasn't the best one, but God in his mercy and his grace, you know, saw me through it. And But then there are other roads that you would say, oh, wow, I am so thankful I chose that road because it has been pivotal to who I am and where I am today, I, because I can see the good return and the harvest on it. Could Could you tell us a little bit about some of those better roads in your life? Well, you know, Probably the one that stands out first to me, um, and because it wasn't all that long ago, um, it was two. It was September third of two thousand fifteen. You have a date, all right? I have a date, uh huh. And and I did confirm that date just recently, even. So almost, um, gosh, seven years ago to the day, and. Um, I was, we, our last foster daughter had moved out. Now the last year of having her in our house was, had a lot of turmoil. She could be sitting right here with me. We have a great relationship now, but that last year was 
rough, rough, rough. Mm -hmm. And so we, she graduated, she moved out and I'm like, I've never, Matt and I said together, we're done with foster care. We're done with this part of our calling. And so it was about eight months later on September 3rd and I was doing laundry and I was watching the news and I don't know if you remember there was, that was during a refugee crisis and a lot of people from Syria were going into Europe just to flee war and persecution. And there was a little boy mm -hmm. that was washed up to shore and he was, oh, I, yes, I remember that. Yes. And that picture haunted me. And I was, I had a load of laundry in my hand and I, I pretty much just dropped it and I, I went to my knees and I just felt like God was saying, you're not done. You're not done with other kids. And so I wept and I just said, God, if you want Matt and I to accept more kids, we will say yes. And I prayed over every single room in our home. And I thought I can't do anything for that crisis that's happening in, in Asia and in Europe. But there's crises here. And here I have this big house and food in my cupboards. What am I doing with it? So I went to my foster daughter's room and there was two twin beds and I laid my hands over the bed and I just said, if you want this, these beds full, I will say yes. I prayed over mm. every room, including the bathrooms, because there's mm. a lot of clogged toilets when you have a <laughs> lot of children. And there's a lot of Matt fishing teenage hair, girls' hair out of the drains. And, and so I prayed over every room. And we hadn't got a call from a social worker in eight months. I kind of thought, like, we just kind of went off their radar. I kid you not, within three hours after that really dramatic prayer, my phone rang and it was a social worker asking if we would take the sibling group of four boys, they would need us to go meet them at the hospital right then and there. So I hung up the phone, I called my husband, I told him the whole story, we just sat in awe and um, we, we decided we couldn't, for many reasons, we couldn't take these four boys got off the phone, my phone rang again with another scenario. We, we, this scenario also wouldn't work for our, our, us. And then my phone rang again, three calls in one day for kids within three hours after that prayer. Mind you, my wow. phone had it ring in eight months. Wow. So, so this last call was an 11 year old little girl and a six month old baby boy. We've never taken a baby. And so I called Matt, we prayed about it. The next day we welcomed our now uh, two adopted kids who are 18 and seven and talk about better roads. That was one of the best roads. And <laughs> we were scared because we didn't want turmoil, mm -hmm. but we cannot tell God what we're capable of, he gets to tell us what we're capable of. And as soon as I said, you can use me again, how they've enriched our lives is so far outweighs how we, what we've even done for them. They don't even know it. And I, and I just, I just thank God for helping us have the courage to say yes. Um, so yeah, that sticks out as to one of the better roads. I mean, there's there's many better roads we could talk about, but that's, that's the one I get to get to reap the benefits of every single day. That's peak. Wow. You know, I'm so impressed as you share about that, that 
those better roads are directly linked to obedience. You just shared that. Mm -hmm. uh, you were obedient to what the Holy Spirit said to yeah. you, and then wham, 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 just all of these things begin to open up. So perhaps a good moral of the story today is that obedience is the most transformative thing in one's life. 100%. And, uh, and it will lead to those better roads. So, yes. Nicole, thanks so much for inviting us inside and sharing about your life with us today. And I just want to encourage you to keep making that grocery list of life sound exciting, okay? All right. Well, thank you so much for having me. And uh, it's just been an honor to talk to you today. All right. Thank you. Hey, and we thank you, our listeners, for joining us. We'll see you next time. You have been listening to Better Roads with Randall Bach, president of Open Bible Churches. Join us next time as we explore how God is part of another person's journey.